He's already been dead and it's messed with his head. It's John's post-life crisis. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, so it's uh, John's post-life crisis live, Monday night live, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have Brian Johannes from our website join us in a couple minutes and talk about potential Nebraska offensive coordinators because he knows a lot more about that. I think everybody knows after this uh, this season of my predictions, everybody knows more about Nebraska football than I do. Uh, even everybody. Uh, you know what? I'll go ahead and bring him in. Brian, good. It's gone good. Did you just see what was posted in Slack about uh, Notre Dame <laughs> and and Lincoln Riley's contract for USC? I didn't see that. One hundred and ten million dollars. It doesn't specify how many years, but one hundred and ten million dollars. USC is buying both of his homes in Norman for five hundred thousand dollars over asking. Uh, they're buying a, a six million dollar home in LA, which actually probably isn't that impressive. <laughs> and unlimited use of the private jet twenty four seven for family. Is that one hundred and ten million dollars? Is is Lincoln Riley worth that much money? I th- I think he is. Um, I mean i I didn't think they were going to get that good of a coach. I thought. You know, I thought Franklin was going to be the, the guy. I thought they'd go get him, and then um, I thought Aranda might be that that fallback guy. I, I never thought Lincoln Riley would go there, and I think that's probably the best person they could have gotten. So um, whatever money – I mean, that's the thing about it. It's California, so, you know, the prices, you've got to go up double because, you know – you know, Because it's, it's – yeah. yeah. So. It's a nutty state. Gas was, uh, I was in Texas and gas was like four. Uh, my sister was with me from California. I shouldn't have gone down this road. Gas, she was amazed at how cheap gas was in Texas because it was like four and a half dollars or four twenty-five dollars uh, a gallon in California. Okay, let's leave that alone. <laughs> uh, so we've got Lincoln Riley to USC. Immediately, all of his recruits started bailing out of Oklahoma, and it's probably that they're going to switch to USC. Having those guys go to USC uh, makes the will hurt the SEC, won't it? Don't you think? Yeah. I, this is a completely different subject than I prepared you for. <laughs> no, I absolutely love the coaching carousel. That's one of my. I always feel guilty because it's like coaches getting fired and everything, but I just love the speculating who the who the coaches are going to be. And that uh, it's it's been insane this year. It's completely insane. And then uh, Brian Kelly is going to LSU. Is yeah, so, supposedly that that shot that's a really surprised me. I at this stage in Brian Kelly's career, I thought I thought he was going to retire at Notre Dame. So the fact that he is moving on and, and going and, and going to the SEC and LSU, I, I thought LSU was going to strike out. You kept hearing that their AD wanted, it was always, you know, got 
Chris Peterson at Washington. He he'd gotten Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M, who was going to be his good get, and it didn't look like he was going to get one. And then he pulls Brian Kelly out of his hat. And now we have we've got Florida, Notre Dame, LSU, USC, Oklahoma all open during this coaching carousel. I mean, that's just it's unbelievable. Then uh, you would probably have Luke Fickle to Notre Dame because that's the one job he would leave Cincinnati for. I I guess Brian Kelly to LSU. I think Brian Kelly's got an ego the size of uh, well the size of the world, and he I think he would love to go to LSU just to see what he could do in the SEC. I would think Luke Fickle goes to Notre Dame. Uh, I don't know who's going to Florida, but he, I guess we should get on track, huh? They already hired Billy Napier. Oh, that's right, they did. Yeah. That's right. Because he had uh, coached under Nick Saban, and that is the blessing. <laughs> and Davo Sweeney, okay. too. He was, he was under him, too. Okay, Nebraska. We should stick with our roots and go to Nebraska. You've looked into this a lot. I haven't looked into it a whole lot because, uh, quite frankly, um, well, I've been busy with other things. Plus, over Thanksgiving, my son contracted COVID, and his fiance has COVID, and they're – her, her daughter has COVID, and I'm wondering if I have COVID, and it's a, just a bloody freaking batch of fun here in the Johnston household in the last couple of days. Uh, Nebraska's offensive coordinator. First of all, what would you like to see Nebraska run as an offense? Because that's what people are going to ask. You know, I, I really liked what they were kind of doing this year. Um, I, I think being able to – kind of mirror, you know, not go back to the original triple option that they ran under Osborne and Solich and that, but kind of update that. Um, so, like, what they did this year with bringing the wide receivers in, I really like that, and I think it really suited us. And when, when Martinez was healthy, I mean, they were having a lot of success with it. And then he got, you know, high ankle sprain in practice. He couldn't run against Minnesota. Uh, but then we saw it against Iowa with, with uh, Smothers – you know, it worked there too. And it's just, I think blending that power running attack and kind of have that power spread while still having, you know, the passing game. I think that's where we're best suited. You know, we're not going to get these elite 11 pro style quarterbacks. So I think getting guys that can run and move, I, I think that's what's, what's best for um, Nebraska. So I, I wouldn't disagree with that. I thought it was interesting. I do. He's going to have to, He's going to have to have one more than one quarterback for the season. I mean, he can't do what he did with Martinez. If that's the offense he's going to run, he's just going to kill guys. You know, it's how many running back Minnesota was down to like their fourth string running back. Nebraska lost how many guys? There was yeah. running backs going down all over the place from all the hitting that's going on. So you start running a quarterback all the time, or even the option, haha, of uh, him keeping the ball. They're going to get beat up. So. I don't disagree with that. Given that, what would you like to see? Is there any offensive? You did a video about offensive coordinators, which I should link to, and I should have been prepared to link to it, but I'll put a link in like the show notes for this thing. Uh, you went over a bunch of them. So give me one to start with. Well, there, there's three that I really liked. Um, Tom Herman. Rhett Lashley and Willie Korn um, from Coastal Carolina. Now, Rhett Lashley is the head coach at SMU, so that one's out the, out the window. Um, Tom Herman is a special assistant to 
Matt Nagy at the Chicago Bears. So, I mean, if if he was the guy, he could come tomorrow. Um, so I think those are my guys. I like I like them all because I think they they have that running aspect. You know, Tom Herman, when he was at Ohio State, you know, they had JT Barrett and, and then he adapted it to what was he there when Haskins was there? Um, I'm not quite sure. Um, I think but so. then and then he goes to Houston and he has Greg Ward Jr. who's playing wide receiver in the NFL right now. And they have all that success. And Texas, he has Sam Ellinger. So they he has that experience of that mobile quarterback. Uh, Willie Korn, Coastal Carolina, a guy that, you know, Coastal Carolina runs that modern. They've taken basically the triple option like what we see with uh, um, Navy and and Army and them run, and they've, they've made it more of a shotgun pistol and with two backs, and they've had a lot of success, and it's not your, your you know, a lot of recruits don't want to go play for that triple option, but he's made it, like, sexier, and you are still passing quite a bit, and you're still running that option, and it, it will attract, I you know, I think it will attract uh, prospects. So, um, I mean, those are the guys I really liked, but I just wanted him to go out and get someone and, and just kind of turn the keys over and let them kind of do their thing. Well, that's that's kind of the the biggest problem I have, is is he really going to turn the keys over? Because that, that's my problem with Frost is I think the defense is fine because he hasn't really had his fingers in it, and the offensive side of the ball he's keeps saying he wants to be a CEO, but at the same time he's, uh, you know, he he's kept his he didn't really let he did all the play calling right. Uh yeah, I mean I think him and Lubick shared it. Um, I think, but I think Frost probably called a majority of it. I think it was kind of a collaborative effort, but I just, yeah, I, I think that I, I agree with you too. It's, you know, he, he's always going to have his hand in it, but I feel like get someone and get an identity. And I think that will, I think that'll be one of our biggest things. We had that little bit of identity with the option and then Martinez gets hurt and you can't do it anymore. Do, do you think uh, do you think Tom Herman would ever come to Nebraska? Um, I don't think it's out of the question just because I think he's a guy I think he wants to still be a head coach and this is me just speculating because I don't I don't have him on speed dial but I think he wants to be a head coach and he comes to Nebraska for a year and revitalizes the offense and Nebraska wins eight or nine games that just boosts his stock and Boom, he's able to right. transition into a next head coaching job. Even if he does it comes in and they don't do well, I don't think he has that stink attached to him because you know it's Nebraska was not good before there. And so I think it was a I, and just that's just my opinion. I don't think he it's it's a lose lose situation. I don't think he hurts him at all if he came here or not, but who knows if he would or not. Oh, Willie Korn, we saw a bunch of stuff about him on social media today. Apparently he started following some. He followed Sam McCune from the Omaha World Herald for crying out loud. Who else did he follow? He followed uh, crap. Now I can't remember. I, I think he followed uh, Caleb Tanner, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he followed a couple of players. That when he followed the players, that's what kind of uh, um, got me. Is is um, that's a little you know? It's one thing to follow reporters, I guess, but it just seemed really suspicious of like why are you why are you all of a sudden following all these people. So um, he, I, I'm, go ahead. Go ahead. So I, I mean, I, 
I, I, I was excited. I, I really like Willie Korn. I like his back history. I like the fact that he helped build that offense with Coastal Carolina. He's a quarterback, uh, former SEC or ACC quarterback with Clemson. Um, so I, I think I think it'd be a really good fit. And so, um, like I said, it's not your you're not going back to the 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 flex bone that we saw at Georgia Tech or Army in that. It's the more modern version, and I think it really fit well with what what we ha- what we can do. He f- he followed Eric Crouch of all people. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's take a question. Here here's the question from a guy. Uh, can you can see those? Yes. I'm still aren't trying to. Okay, Stanley Steele asks if the offense, in your opinion, was working, then why a wholesale change outside of the obvious? Do you, I'll let you go with that. I mean, I think in essence, the the offense was working. It had we were starting to get an identity, but then they would go away from stuff. There was no continuity with it. I, in my opinion, and I could be wrong. It's like, you know, we go, you know, against Iowa, they block the punt. We're still up, and then they go away from. They panic and start passing the ball. You know, we have. We do things. I think it was an Austin Allen quote where after the game, they asked him about not keeping running the ball. And he said, oh, we had plays that we hadn't run yet that we really wanted to run or, or some quote like that. And it's just I don't feel like there was that continuity. There's aspects of the offense that I think worked. And but I just don't think it was that 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 identity and, and kind of what they really wanted to do. OK, we're going to go with this next one. Ty Stevens, dude, we need to go backwards in time to go forward. Let's go back to ground and pound football. I don't like the current system defenses on the field too much. You want to try that or you want me to go first this time? I mean, I'll go. I've always – I've never been that, oh, we we can't win without running the option. We need, to, you know, Nebraska system of old. I've never been that way. Bring back the fullback and, and that – but I'm starting to kind of like, you know, maybe we need to kind of get more of our own identity. And that's why, like I said, you know, Frost went and he worked with UNK. He met with UNK coaches this offseason. They got a pretty prolific offense there in Division II. Um, he met with Coastal Carolina this summer and and spoke with those guys. And that's where we saw a lot of this option and, you know, bringing those wide receivers in. And I think going back to that and still keeping the power, I mean, Coastal Carolina – if you watch, go if you just Google Coastal Carolina offense. I did it this afternoon. You're, there's a Twitter account that just shows their plays, and they run a lot of the same stuff that Nebraska did in the '90s. They run a lot of power. They run a lot of trap. They just do it out of different looks, and I think that would really benefit. So, I mean, that's just my opinion. I mean, well, that's that's the thing. People don't see a fullback. They just you know, there's a certain part of Nebraska's population, and and honestly, like Michigan. I remember when they hired people, Michigan people I knew were like, oh, this isn't Michigan football. But if they don't see a fullback, they just poop themselves. And you're like, it's the same concepts of reading, you know, optioning people and, you know, leaving some guy in blocks, whatever. It just looks a little bit different in the formation. So, I, you know, I'm not into the – I guess when people say ground and pound, what I think of is Mark D'Antonio at Michigan State where he was perfectly happy winning games 12 to 10, you know, and that guy, if he had any modern in his offense, uh, you know, I mean, Michigan state, well, I think you've seen it, you know, with uh, Tucker coming in that Michigan state could be a, 
a pretty decent football team, but yeah, uh, everything's cyclical in college football. You know how you go with the option and then the spread came in and defenses didn't know how to defend the spread. And then, well, Kevin Cosgrove couldn't defend the spread at all because he was used to being in the big 10 where then nobody ran the spread and he came to Nebraska and we got slaughtered when other teams ran the spread in the big 12, but everything's cyclical. So I guess, yeah, I'd like this kind of offense. I like what he did with the option stuff too. Uh, I just, you know, again, you go back to the consistency um, I got the feeling for a lot of times, like Bill Callahan when he was here, he was all about, I'm an offensive genius and I need to prove it. And sometimes I wonder if Frost is like enamored with his own plays and it's like, I want to see what this one does. No, just run the last one that gained 12 yards. Why don't you do, why don't you throw the ball to Austin Allen 300 times <laughs> a season? And, uh, you know, okay. Anyway, what else we got here? Uh, somebody went by, I missed one. So we got Tom Herman, we got Willie Korn, we got rumors about Mickey Joseph. Where does Mickey Joseph fit into all this stuff? Uh, it sounds like he's he's wide receivers coach and recruiting coordinator. Uh, if I remember right, Frost uh, Frost went after him, tried to get him when when they hired when they get rid of Walters and and they brought in they wanted to bring in Mickey Joseph, but they were just coming you know either going for the national championship or just came off of it, and it was hard to hard to. I think it was just coming off that national championship and they ended up not being able to get them. Now that with LSU's coaching staff likely gone, I, I can't see um, Jimbo, not Jimbo Fisher, um, Brian Kelly retaining a lot of those offensive guys. I think he's going to bring in this new staff. Um, it makes him available. And, you know, he's, he's a guy that's been here. He's recruited. He's, he's coached a lot of elite guys. We, we look at Jamar chase, Justin Jefferson. Those guys are tearing it up in the NFL. Um, They've had other guys too. Um, and so he's coached at a high level. He's recruited at a high level. He's got ties to different areas. And I, you know, I think it's going to be a good addition to the staff. Now, do you think, do you think Frost would hire all of these guys or would he hire an offensive coordinator and then let that guy hire who else? You know what I mean? Let that guy hire his assistant. Um, yeah. You makes, it makes you wonder, you know, I could see it either way. I could see Frost just trying to, you know, he in essence he's going into a lame duck here. And so it may be tough, you know, to hire coaches that want to come in because do they want to come in for a year, move their family or be away from their family for a year and get fired after the season if it doesn't go well. So, um it may be hard to get guys. So I could see Frost just going and getting certain guys that he know he can get and just kind of patchworking it. And who knows? I mean, we got Mickey jo uh, Mickey Joseph Another name that's out there for offensive coordinator is Jake Peets, who coached with Mickey Joseph at LSU. So that's something, another name that's floated out there as a, as a strong possibility. So uh, I, I think that's something that we can't just, just skate by either. All right, we're, we have to take this one because ST Lane says, let's start an online petition. The University of Nebraska should legally be <laughs> obligated to pay for mental counseling for all Husker football fans. I'm sorry, but no, sir. And the reason why we'd have to say no to that is uh, we do not want our university going bankrupt. <laughs> that's that's the answer to that. If uh, if uh, you know if if counseling meant everybody got like a six pack of really cheap beer, it'd still be too much. Uh, but uh, let's go down here. God, no, not Jake Pete's. 
Uh, somebody earlier asked about who are you picking, Michigan or Iowa? Uh, I, Michigan, please. Um, no, I think I think they're going to. I think they're going to roll them. Um, I just think Iowa's just really benefited from just some getting some luck. They they had the turnovers early. I mean, they struggled. At, you know, they should have lost to Penn State. Um, if Penn State's quarterback doesn't get hurt, looked like they were going to control that game. Um, they're good. Their defense is good. Uh, I just think Michigan, I think it's just their year this year in the Big Ten. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see some change in the college football playoff. I'm hoping I'm hoping Oklahoma State gets in and we get Georgia, right. Cincinnati, Michigan, and Oklahoma State. I, I, I just I, I enjoy different also. Um, it's still going to be good college football, so I'm anxious. To, I'm hoping for that. Okay, Joe Oberly points out corn has not called plays in a tough conference like the big town okay do you think that that actually makes a difference i mean one of the beats on frost is that he came from ucf you know they play in a teeny tiny group of five conference he wasn't ready for the big powerful mean big town do you think that it really makes that big a difference with regards to how you fit your offense into a conference or isn't there a benefit to having a a a offense there's two questions there i guess you know what i'll let you go with the conference thing first <laughs> no hopefully remember the second one well i mean that's de that's definitely so it's a very real issue i mean coming from the sun belt to the big 10 that's a big jump especially it's not like willie corn has been a coordinator or a position coach in a major conference and that's that's one of the reasons why there's some caution about Jamie Tread, uh, Jamie Chadwell moving up to that like a SEC job right away, a, a Big Ten job is because he, you know, he was at Charleston Southern before he came to Coastal Carolina. He was at a Division two school before that, and so that that's definitely a concern. But I think good offensive minds and good systems, I think they they can work. And I think you might have a feeling out process and that's why you can lean on Scott Frost and you can, you know, it's not like, I mean, but you can, I think you can adapt and change. And I think, you know, there's been coaches that have come from the lower levels. You know, as I said, in my video, Mike Gundy has gone out and hired division two coaches, you know, right. FCS coaches, and they came in and then the big 10 and the big 12 are a vast difference when it comes to playing defense, but it's still making that big jump and they've had a lot of success. So, um, I, I, like I said, I think it's a concern, but good coaches work around it. Hey, here's one. Bye, went by. I'm still learning, trying to learn how to do this stuff. Okay, Matt Terman asks, Matt Terman, I don't know if it's a, well, maybe there's four or five Matt Termans <laughs> in the world. How does all these big name head coaching jobs opening affect our search at Nebraska? I don't know if it does. Does it? I mean, I I, I kind of wonder if the reason why they kept Frost was be they felt that there wasn't going to be you know with all these openings, it might um, make their chances of getting who they want harder. Um, as it relates to coordinators, I think it, think it could. I mean, Virginia Tech's open, and that's a that's a name that you know I, we've talked a lot about Willie Corn. Jamie Chadwell could go up to Virginia Tech. And if he goes up to Virginia Tech, there's a good chance Willie Corn wants to go with him. You know, Tom Herman is out there. You know, 
someone who comes in, you know, Brett Venables is the rumor name to Oklahoma. What if he wants right. to bring Tom Herman in as his offensive coordinator? And and I would take the offensive coordinator job at Oklahoma over the one in Nebraska. I mean, so I, I think it just depends on who they are trying to get and the relationship they have with Frost. And if they have that strong relationship and they, they believe in, in Frost and what he can do, that might trump some of that. But I think, you know, with all these big changes, with these big schools opening, you know, staffs kind of maybe splitting, um, I, I think it does affect. Well, I think when you go back with what I started this show with, $110 million contract, you know what I mean? How does it affect this stuff? I guess holding on to Scott Frost, if we'd hired another guy, what were we going to have to throw at him? And then what would be the pool for assistance? I mean, that's the, you, you know, you had that. You had, uh, you know, Jimbo Fisher, I think, what was it, earlier in this season, they just threw tons of money at him. I P.J. Fleck stayed at Minnesota, I don't think for silly money, but a lot of that stuff is just getting insane, which means – uh, we're going to probably, we're going to start seeing the better coordinators salaries go up to the point that, yeah. well, it's going to be like the world, you know, where you're going to have the, the rich, wait, I got to get it in the camera, the rich, and then, uh, you know, the poor, and that's going to be, I don't know. It seems like this separation is getting worse, even though I think Neil was supposed to, uh, help out with that maybe or at least even the, the playing field for some schools that didn't have money to throw at people. But uh, I don't know. What do you think? Anything else you got for offensive coordinators? Yeah, I mean. Or offensive staff, I guess. You know, you, you're hearing a lot of names. You know, Donovan Riola, uh, who for the offensive line coach, is a name that you hear, um, who's with the assistant offensive line coach or, or – something with the bears um that that's that tom herman connection too um you don't really hear anything about running backs i have you know you, you've heard rumor names about receiver coach about offensive line coach coordinator i haven't heard one single thing about running backs coach and so that that makes you kind of wonder what they're gonna do um you know you got ron brown on staff you know maybe they just keep him you know maybe they don't feel like there's someone out there that they really like so they keep him on there uh maybe you know it's not, you know, running back is an important position, but it's not, you know, the sexy as offensive coordinator. So you, you don't quite hear it that much. Um, but you're, it'll be anxious to see who they fill with those positions and then how they work that special teams coordinator in there. Because you almost, it, it almost feels like they have to. And, but where are you going to get it from? That's the big question. You mean, we, there's a massive amount of discussion about we have to hire up special coach for special teams. And then, uh, well, Husker Mike in our Slack room keeps arguing that it should be a, a split position doing that. Uh, which one do you favor? I mean, I've never really been a huge, like, you have to have a I just I, I just remember a lot of people complaining about Bruce Reed. And I'm like, do we, we went from everyone complaining about Bruce Reed to now we have to have one. And I understand special teams has been a disaster. So I, I get it. And I think it, with it being so bad and them, you know, I think it, you know, it's been better. I think as mainly they're specialists, but then we give up a kickoff return for a touchdown and a block punt. And so um, I just, I just, you, I think you have to get rid of someone from the defensive staff has to go because in today's, today's offenses, 
you can't split receivers and tight ends. You can't split quarterbacks and, and running backs or running backs and whatever. You have to have one of those position coaches. So who on the defensive staff is going to go? I mean, they're all – the defense, defense is doing so well. It's not like you, you want to shove anyone out the door. Um, but I don't know where else you're going to get a special teams coordinator from. Okay, let's, let's – oh. Bradley Warnick. How does Trev justify limiting the staff to $5 million with Flex and paying Frosty $3.5 million while Michigan State is paying Tucker $9.5 million a year? You want to run with that one or you want me to? I mean, no, Tucker's one. I mean, that's why. I mean, that's why he's getting $95 million is because he came in and what they're 10 and 2 and probably going to play at a New Year's Six Bowl. I mean, if. That's, that's why it's there. I mean, you win, you're going to get paid. That's why we're seeing these absurd numbers for Lincoln Riley and and Brian Kelly. So, I mean, winning cures all. And when you win, you make more money. When you don't win, you have to take salary cuts or get fired. I guess for me, uh, you know, my, my career choice has been IT consultant. And uh, I learned very long time ago, you are what you negotiate. You know what I mean? That's that's yeah. what it comes down to. So if Trev Alberts, I I honestly in some ways think that Trev Alberts looked at this and said, uh, I can't fire this guy this year. Yeah. If I fire him next year, it's going to be because he's really failed miserably with a stinky schedule, or an easy schedule, or uh, he's actually proved himself to, that he's going to get somewhere. And I always saved our athletic department, I don't know, $10 million in the process. So I think part of that was a business decision for me. Yeah. Uh, plus I'm, I'm very skeptical about long Scott Frost long-term process. I'm glad that honestly, I'm glad that uh, we have Husker Mike on staff who argues with me about that <laughs> because uh, I, I think that, this I I watched some of the groups on Facebook and Facebook is a terrible place to be. <laughs> and uh, people are just ripping each other apart over this Scott Frost thing. And I, you know, I guess I, I had a thought, but my brain is just exhausted. Um, I guess we're going to find out in another year if, if he really can, you know, pull something together and, and be successful or not. And with all of the coaching moves this year, I don't know if we would have, I don't yeah. think we would have thrown $110 million at anyone. No. And if that's what it's going to take, that's kind of a, that's kind of a scary future. <laughs> well, the thing that I really, I mean, Frost, you can tell he wants this job. He didn't, you know, he could have easily dug his heels in like we've seen with other coaches at the university and say, Nope, I'm not taking a pay cut. I'm not firing my staff. I believe in what we're doing. He wanted to be a coach. He was willing to bet on himself, take the reduced buyout. I mean, he could have had $20 million and gone golfing every day in Florida at his house there, but he, he wants to be here. And I think, uh, you know, if those pe people that want him fired, you know, you got to really kind of enjoy the fact that he he's betting on himself. And he believes in what he's doing, and he's willing to take less money to do it to prove. And and we just saw Jim Harbaugh; he did the exact same thing last year. Yeah. They hired six new assistants, including a new defensive coordinator. And look where they're at now. And I'm not saying that's a guaranteed recipe for success, but we've recent it's we've seen recent history where someone was able to back against the wall, bet on themselves, make some changes, and it turned out for the better. 
Did you watch the Michigan Ohio State game? I did. I was I actually was at the Nebraska uh, basketball game that day, so I kind of had it on my phone every once in a while. But um, I watched I watched the start of it. It was, you know what? It was a beautiful scene. It really was. <laughs> it, you know, I it just was uh, beautiful in the snow. I I tweeted that it was be the only college football playoff game that we'd ever see in the snow because even if they expand, they're never going to let campus uh, games happen. Uh, but it, it was beautiful. I mean, it was neat to watch the Michigan fans run on the field and, uh, you know, get their victory and, and put away Ohio state for <laughs> probably once, you know, in the next <laughs> 10 years, but you know, you have your day. We didn't have any of those days. Okay. Here where you have a guy, let's see, uh, Cornusker fever. Is it time to let go of strength? Keep coach Zach Duvall thoughts. I, I think that everybody likes Zach Duvall. I have heard nothing bad about him. You? I mean, I haven't. I haven't either. I'm. A, I, I'm. I'm not the best expert on strength and conditioning, um, so it, it's hard for me to tell. Yeah, you would like better depth, but is that is that a Zach Duvall thing? You know, I think guys. I I think our younger guys are showing improvement. Um, we played a lot of young guys. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I'm not the expert on that. That's, I'm sorry. That's all right. We make up 90% of this. Oh, it shows one of my streams is having connection issues. Uh, we have Bill, Jonathan Jeter says we have Bill Bush on staff, make him full-time special teams coordinator. Uh, I don't think he was part of the coaching in the last, you know, since they fired the, I mean, if they were going to do that, they'd already done it. Right. Yeah, and and once that's that's another possibility. You know, you've heard him, you've heard the Virginia special teams coordinator, whose son is is on the team. Um, those are the two guys. Obviously, Sean Snyder, Nebraska tried to get him a couple of years ago, but it just goes into even you know he's he's in that analyst role. But once again, you've got to get rid of someone on defense, and I don't know who you're going to get rid of. You just brought back Mike Dawson. Are you going to get rid of Barrett Rude? You know. You know, Fisher Fisher might go back to Florida to for a coaching job, but then you need you know there's no one on that staff that's going to go back and work at defensive backs. So, um, you know, you you could put Bill Bush there, who has worked with defensive backs, but then you're not you don't have a full time special teams coordinator. Okay, Carl Hacker, is that your real name, Carl? <laughs> Nebraska was an offensive line factory for eons. What happened? Was it steroids coaching? Seemed like old O-lines were mainly local Nebraska recruits. What is the state of Nebraska high school football for recruiting? Uh, I don't know anything, but I don't follow recruiting that heavily. But I will say about the old, old offensive lines, uh, you know, I think you just built a team and you built a program and you were able to – if you're old enough, you remember. I mean, I went to college in the '80s. We beat the snot out of most of the Big Eight all of the time. So you didn't play until you were a junior, senior on the offensive line, ever, pretty much. And then you got into games late, you know. So you had like a full quarter of experience every game when you were beating the shit out of Iowa State and Kansas State and Missouri and all those teams. And we just beat the snot out of them. You know, I don't remember the scores, but they were terrible. Uh, so you had years and years with the same coaching staff to build depth and to build up uh, those players. And with regards to mainly local Nebraska recruits, I want you to think about the nature of farming. 
that's changed since 1980. Okay, how, how many years ago is that? I don't want to do the math. Don't answer that. I'm getting old. Um, most of farming, and I'm not trying to be rude when I say this, you're sitting at a GPS-controlled tractor for 12 hours a day now. You know, the old joke about Bob Devaney was is he would drive around and ask for directions for some kid standing near a fence. And if the kid picked up like uh, some heavy piece of equipment, I don't remember what the joke is. If he picked up and pointed with it, then that guy, he would ask that guy if he wanted to play football because obviously the strength was there. It was a really dumb joke. I should prepare for these things better. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, that's why I do these lives. Because number one, I like to watch train wrecks. And number two, you never know what you're going to get. You have your finger on the pulse of Husker Nation. But I think that uh, local Nebraska recruits, number one, uh, this is something we could actually look into the offseason. I think that for Nebraska football across the nation and, and across the state and across the nation, there are not nearly as many people participating in football as there were years ago. And Nebraska already has a challenge as a population. So, I mean, you have kids that are, you know, their moms don't want them getting brain injuries. Um, you know, I, I'll – I need, remind me to do this for a later show or a later bit because uh, I actually have done some research into that piece. Uh, you got anything to say about the offensive line? I mean, but, you know, back then Nebraska had that, you know, they set the standard for the strength and tr uh, conditioning program with Boyd Epley and that. And so I think they had that advantage on everybody else. You had the farm, you know, the, you, the local kids, everyone ran the Nebraska. I, I mean, I remember I ran the Nebraska offense to a lesser extent when I was in high school. And so I, you know, people were used to running that option. You didn't need to have guys that were six foot eight and long. You, you know, we a lot of times had undersized guys and they got good leverage and they were able, they were strong and able to use that leverage and push guys off the ball. I mean, we still had huge guys that were dominating, but um, I, I think they had a great system. They knew how to recruit. They had local guys that came in that fit that system and, everything just, you know, added in strength and conditioning and um, it all kind of added up into dominance. All right. We're going to go with this. I'll tell you what, you guys, uh, I usually do this for an hour. Uh, it's not been a fun couple days for me. So I get toasted for COVID tomorrow. So we'll do like 10 minutes of Q and a, if you guys want to just ask questions or Brian, if you have anything else you want to add, but uh Let's you know what we'll go with Michael Cole here. What are the chances Nebraska makes a big splash getting players out of the transfer portal? And if so, is there anyone you see them going after? I think the biggest one was that kid out of UCF that was uh, Spencer Rattler announced that he was leaving Oklahoma. I get everybody's leaving Oklahoma, <laughs> but uh, I can't remember the kid's name out of UCF that looked interesting at least. Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, there you yeah. go. I, I think they're. I think it all depends on who they hire as offensive coordinator. You know, if you bring in a guy like Jake Peets and you're more of that pro style, you know, maybe he goes with um, the the guy out of LSU that I'm spacing on his name. You know, if you go with Helfrich, who's another, you know, and you keep that Scott Frost, Oregon, you know, maybe you go out and get that Dylan Gabriel. You know, if you go more of that option attack, you know, you know who's else out there. So um, I think that kind of depends. I, I haven't quite seen some of the big names. I know or uh, Oklahoma's receiver, one of their top receivers is in the portal, but I have a feeling if he's going to leave, he was probably going to go to like USC or something. 
Um, a couple of guys that Nebraska's offered are kind of smaller school guys. And we saw that too with, um, you know, Samari Toure and um, Levi Falk. And, you know, so we tended to get kind of the, the FCS guys moving up. I mean, I know we got Marquis Step from, from USC, but um, it seems like some of the guys that they're going after are the smaller school. I know someone posted that uh, a couple guys from Alabama that played high school football with Logan Smothers are in the portal. You know, I, I saw Alabama's got a couple guys that were five stars that are in the portal. I'd love to see. That's what Mel Tucker did. He went, he didn't go out and get FCS guys. He went out and got, you know, guys from Alabama. He got, you know, yeah. Kenneth Walker from Wake Forest. I think if, if Frost is going to hit the portal hard, which he has to, I mean, if you look at his recruiting right now, he has to hit that portal hard. I'd like to see him get big, you know, names from other schools and, and get some big guy, you know, big time, athletes in here and i mean i like toure i think he's been a um I, I think he was a great addition i think he could have been used a little bit more but i, I don't think there's as many samari toure's out there as there are other guys you mean other guys in terms of like i don't think there's very many samari toure's out there i think you know hit hit, hit okay. the hit hit some of the power five schools guys that you know were highly sought after that just hadn't had the playing time yet give them a chance to play i mean we see it in basketball with you know tim miles when he brought in those guys fred hoiberg and he's brought them in guys that were at bigger schools that didn't have a chance to play they come over to nebraska and now you get playing time and next thing you know you've got a um um why can't i think of the guy's names um <laughs> I can picture him, but some of the guys that we've had in basketball, there's those type of guys in football. We see them every year. I mean, Jamison Williams is Alabama's best receiver. He was, he couldn't even see the field at Ohio state. And so um, there's guys like that out there. You just need to go get them and convince them to come here. Uh, okay. You know what we're going to, you mentioned you're at the basketball game. I'm going to pull this in just because uh, I'm, I'm fading. <laughs> <laughs> fairly quickly spaghetti factory says no lie i am pulling for hoiberg to turn around men's basketball he turned around iowa state and had them competing you feel like talking about basketball because Definitely. it is basketball season <laughs> i mean you were at the basketball game what'd you think um i think they're you know that's the problem with turning over the entire roster it takes time for those guys to gel and get there i think losing trey mcgowns is gonna is gonna hurt just because he was our best defender he was a guy that can handle the ball, um, another score. I, I think it's nice to see Tamanga hit some threes. You know, he hadn't really kind of come out and, and done that. Um, and so it's nice. You know, I was talking with someone today, and, and Bryce McGowan's put up 20 points, and it was kind of a quiet 20 points. He just yeah. not like it's like, you know, Tamanga goes out there and hits like five threes. You know, and that you see that, and it's like I don't. I feel like we haven't seen the best out of Bryce McGowan's, and he's still scoring twenty, which you know tells you how good of a player he is. And I think once this team kind of gets their footing, I think they may struggle at times in the Big Ten uh, in conference play. But I think you know I don't know. They're not an NCAA tournament team this year, but if they can if they can get McGowan's maybe to come back again for one more year. Um, you know, who knows, but I think they just, they still have some work to go. You just need to build better depth, but um, I think he's got them going in the right direction. I, I, you know, I, I'm just still trying to figure out what I'm going to do with YouTube and these shows and stuff, but <laughs> I, I think I will, I, we will do some basketball stuff just because nobody else talks about basketball and 
it, it allows me to avoid talking about football. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there is one more, and one more, and then I'm probably going to fall over. Uh, Brow Davis, Minnesota shut down Wisconsin's 17-year-old phenom, uh, Braylon Allen. He's 17? And is Fleck taking control of the Big Ten West and Iowa fading with aging for rents? What a shot! <laughs> uh, I, you know what? I thought PJ, first of all, I, the Big Ten West was a mess this year. It really was. It would have been a good year for Scott Frost went to win this division. Uh, people, if they watched uh, my YouTube videos uh, since the beginning of the season, I got a lot of flack because I said repeatedly the Big Ten West didn't have any good teams. And I think what you saw was Iowa particularly, you know, they were way up here and then they kind of faded and they still had were in a position to win the Big Ten West, but they did. Uh, Wisconsin was terrible at the beginning of the season and they figured it out. And that's one of the disturbing things I think about Scott Frost is, you know, we began the season losing by one score and we never figured out how to change that. You know, when you look at Wisconsin early, they changed their offensive line. They lost running back. They lost Jalen Berger and they found this Braylon Allen, you know, and Graham Mertz became not a turnover machine. So they figured it out as the season went on and became a decent team. So I don't – P.J. Fleck isn't going to take over the Big Ten West. Uh, aging for rents will still be there is aging for rents for a while yet. Uh, I think I interviewed Scott Docterman in 2020, and he indicated – Scott Docterman reports on Iowa for the Athletic – but he indicated that uh, he thought that 2020 would have been Ferenc's last year, and obviously it wasn't. So I think the Big Ten West is just going to be this division that's, uh, you know, Wisconsin is going to be who they are. Iowa is going to be who they are. Northwestern is the only school in college football history that went from first to last to first to last again. So Northwestern's going to – that's what they're going to do. And then the big key here is what is Nebraska going to do? Are we going to return to our Brits? Are we going to be a, a good team? Are we going to be stuck in the 90s like I am from all you guys on YouTube that comment that I, <laughs> I'm stuck in the 90s? And, um, but that's – no, there's nobody taking over the West because the West really – you know, there's not a strong program. There's not a really over – there's not an Ohio State. Even Ohio State didn't own the East this year. Uh, I don't know. You got any thoughts on the Big Ten West? Yeah, I mean, like I think what you said with Iowa and Wisconsin, they're going to be them. They they've got that system. They they've got that identity. They're always going to be those teams. And you know, Minnesota is going to fluctuate. You know, they just fired their offensive coordinator today. Um, so, who did? Who did? Minnesota. They, they Mike, did. Yeah. I didn't so, see that. I saw that wow. just a little bit ago. So, uh, maybe I missed it, but. Um, I, yeah, I mean, it's out there. It's, you know, as good as Wisconsin is, as good as Iowa is there, the, the West is still ripe for the picking, you know, there's, there's no Georgia in this, this conference. And so, or in this division. So if Nebraska can figure their stuff out and that's a big if, you know, it, it's a winnable, it's a winnable division. That's why I thought when, if Nebraska, the job did come open, it would attract some people because they've got the money, they've got the resources it's in the easier division. There's no, you know, Penn state, no Penn state, no, no Michigan, no, no Ohio state. So I, I think it's out there, but Nebraska hasn't hit that hurdle and, you know, jumped that hurdle in a while. So. 
We're going to end with this, and it's tragic. Joseph Walters says the West doesn't have any good teams, and you guys are at the bottom of that, laughing my ass off. Thank you, Joseph, for I mean, stabbing me. I mean, technically, Northwestern's at the bottom. Yeah, but you know what? That I thought about this the other day, and I thought, you know, we get to live this entire offseason in the basement. We can come up with all the stats and all the one-score losses excuses about how we're really good, but we didn't show in the wins column. We're going to spend this entire offseason in the basement, and that's why I'm going to try really hard to talk about basketball and baseball. Because uh, I don't, we're, I mean, I think it'll be exciting to see who we get for an offensive coordinator. But uh, I, the, coming into this last season, there was less interest in Nebraska football than I can ever recall in my 15 years of doing this. And uh, I don't want to think about what this offseason is, is. So I will try not to think about it as much. I mean, we're still going to cover football because you have to. And it's still going to be interesting. And I think we're going to end there. Because uh, I need to go lay down now. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to admit that, but uh. okay. I don't. I don't know how to sign off on a YouTube live. Uh, well, you know what? Here's how what we need to do. You have a YouTube channel of your own, and you need to tell people out about it. And then you need to uh, remind me to put that in the show notes. Yes. Uh, so it's it's draft underscore Brian on YouTube. Um, so it's not just Husker stuff. I do. Uh, I'm mainly an NFL draft uh, coverage. So I've got a lot of NFL draft coverage up there. Um, I've got uh, a lot of college commentary, some NFL commentary. And then so one of my biggest things is I like to break down prospects for the NFL draft. So I'll break down um, Husker players and then also um, other other players. I just put out a video on um, ICOM. Ekwanu, who's an offensive tackle for NC State, um, is a guy that's going to be a top 10 NFL draft pick. So if you're a fan of a team that's picking in the top 10 and you need an offensive lineman, you're going to want to watch that because he's an absolute stud. Well, there we go. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know. That's it. I really am. I'm pooped. Uh, okay. You all take care of yourselves. Thanks for watching. Please subscribe and go to Brian's channel. Watch his videos and uh, subscribe to his channel. And I think that's it now. Y'all yep. take care. Go Big Red. <laughs>